Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. This week, reporter Emily Mahoney and I will discuss education and the governor's race in Florida. Republican Ron DeSantis has finally issued his education platform, and Andrew Gillum, the Democrat, has had one out for a while. We're going to assess the similarities, the differences, and where things looked ahead, because it looks like voters have a clear choice when it comes to this particular issue. So, Emily, you are up there in Tallahassee covering the DeSantis campaign, and yesterday was a big day for him. He brought out his is it his first ever Florida-specific policy. I'm not quite sure. I haven't heard much from him on, on specific state issues. This was actually his second uh, major policy rollout. He had one on the environment last week, and uh, yesterday was Education Day. So it was pretty interesting. Um, as you noted, we haven't had a lot of really substantial state policy come from the DeSantis campaign, and they've been very tight-lipped about their policy up until now. They kind of want to roll things out on their own terms and um, have declined a lot of policy questions in the past. So yesterday, he released a, you know, a pretty long bullet point plan specifically about education. And then, of course, the Gillum campaign also kind of seized on the opportunity to talk about education. And Andrew Gillum met with reporters in Tallahassee to talk about his plan uh, that he's been talking about for a while now. And uh, Chris King, his running mate, went to Tampa, where DeSantis was, to also talk to reporters in Tampa about their education plan. So it was a very busy day for all of us at the Tampa Bay Times and uh, the Miami Herald Bureau up here. Does this mean then that education is one of the top issues as far as the governor's race is concerned? Because sometimes we hear a lot about education, sometimes it just sort of never comes up. How? Where is this rating right now? Well, that's a good question. I think that education is definitely one of the areas where these two candidates uh, differ the most. And so for those voters who care about education, um, it's going, it's a pretty stark contrast between the two. And there's not a whole lot of overlap. Um, I also think, and like you said, some, some years education isn't a big issue. And I was actually, uh, I got a text a statement from the Miami-Dade superintendent, Alberto Calvallo, yesterday, who said that he was happy that the candidates were talking about education this year and it wasn't getting glossed over. So hopefully, um, now that we have a better sense of what both candidates are proposing, uh, we as reporters can keep asking questions about how they're going to accomplish some of the things that they are pitching, and we can continue the conversation because, as you know, education is one of the most contentious issues during the legislative session. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. So getting a, a better sense of what they will advocate for as governor during the session, I think is, is really important just in terms of what kind of impact they're going to have on the state. Not to mention the fact that education takes up nearly 40% of the budget. So it's got to be important. Mm-hmm. So let's just jump right in. I want to start off with the simple part, what they agree on, because there's not much. So (laughs) I was reading through both plans and vocational and technical, vocational and technical education. That seems to be about it. Am I missing something? 
Nope, that is about it. They both uh, have said that they would like to further emphasize that in high school, uh, which is kind of taking from a page that Adam Putnam had said a lot during his unsuccessful bid for the Republican nomination as well. That's been kind of a, a constant talking point during the election cycle, and they seem to agree on that, like you said. There were a couple of other points where I I put them in my somewhat agree category because they they sort of seem to have similar goals, but they don't want to get there the same way. And so one of them is teacher pay. And mm-hmm. they both seem to want to improve teacher pay, but not in any way close to the same way. And I'm going to look at Gillum. I'll let you talk about DeSantis. Gillum is talking about raising starting teacher salaries to a minimum of $50,000 and ensuring that all teachers receive at least the national average or better in teacher pay. Mm-hmm. Now, DeSantis, or, or I'm sorry, Gillum wants to do that by raising taxes. Mm-hmm. And one of them is what I would put under the gimmick category. He wants to legalize marijuana, tax marijuana, and use the money for teacher pay. That's something that came up in Arizona earlier this year, and you can imagine where that landed. Uh He also wants to increase the corporate tax rate. And in our Republican legislature, you can also imagine where that might land. Now, Mm -hmm. DeSantis has got a different plan on teacher pay. Can you talk a little bit about where he's coming from and how it's different? Sure. So he has reiterated what we've heard from the Republican legislature um, on teacher bonuses uh, based on performance. While we've heard from teachers unions and even from superintendents that they would prefer to have kind of a base level raise um, because they, as you noted, they are below the national average um, th- Many in the legislature have preferred to go with performance-based bonuses instead and, um, you know, saying that it's it's co- creates more accountability because it holds teachers accountable for their student students' performance. Um, and it also probably, you know, would be less costly than giving everybody a raise. Uh, so DeSantis is supporting that idea. He also said in his remarks yesterday in Tampa that he thinks teacher pay should be more competitive. Um, and he kind of looped that in with his proposal more generally. He would like 80% of all K-12 funding to be spent in the classroom. And um, in the classroom is kind of in quotes in my mind um, because it's yet to be defined what exactly that means and what that definition will greatly uh, change how impactful this proposal is. Um and he said he would consider teacher pay to be in that category of in the classroom. And, but he hasn't yet provided details on, on what exactly that means in terms of amounts for salaries or, or how that, that would impact, uh, the teacher shortage. He said that by increasing pay, it would decrease Florida's teacher shortage, but we're not getting a whole lot of nitty gritty quite yet. I know that the best and brightest scholarship idea, the bonus program that came out a couple of years ago, sort of falls in line with this whole merit pay incentive idea. But that was tied to the whole idea of SAT scores and a whole variety of other things that teachers kind of poo-pooed and said didn't really measure their true worth or their ability. And I just wonder if he, did he get into any of that detail? I mean, you said he didn't really give you too many specifics, but did he talk about like the bonus plan versus another bonus type plan? 
I believe he made remarks yesterday that said the whatever the teacher bonus uh, program would be, it really does need to be reflective of uh, classroom achievement, um, which kind of indicated that he would be taking a look at changing some of those things, but um, didn't go much farther than that. Okay. One other area where I saw that they would somewhat agree is on the whole idea of improving access to higher education. And they do it in completely different ways. Again, we have Gillum talking about the sort of Bernie Sanders approach, making college debt-free and encouraging businesses to help pay for the uh, responsibility of educating the workforce by helping the universities and colleges in some way. And that is not what DeSantis was talking about at all. He just talked about keeping tuition as low as possible and curbing fees and trying to find ways to cut costs to make it so that college remains accessible. He is not talking about giving things away. He's not talking about any of those kinds of additional burdens on businesses, which you wouldn't imagine from a Republican. And I know we don't usually talk about the higher education thing, but you know, everybody who graduates from high school has that opportunity, right, to go on to college. So that's another area mm-hmm. that we need to pay attention to. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's a good way of um, kind of biting off a piece uh, where they really disagree. And another area where they, of course, really disagree is um, with school choice and charter schools and vouchers. Uh, they've both made it very clear um, their stances on that. DeSantis has said that he wants to continue in the way that Florida has been going and continuing to expand school choice, uh, including charter schools. He wants to raise the cap on the Florida tax credit scholarship program, which would mean... Which is already um, nearly, what, three quarters of a billion dollars? Something like that. Yeah, I was looking at it yesterday. Um, meanwhile, Gillum said that, you know, the, there's been an increasing voucherizing of education, I believe is the word that he used, uh, since Jeb Bush and that because more public dollars are being used to kind of send students to charter schools and private schools, um, he will really wants to put a stop to that. He said, um, I'm still really curious as to whether that would mean scaling back existing charter schools and existing vouchers, or if he just means not creating new ones at all. Because as you know, Jeff, charter schools and vouchers have become woven into the fabric of Florida's current education landscape. And so saying that you want to stop that is, of course, a valid political position. But um, I'm really curious as to what that means if he were elected. Yeah, he did say that he opposes the whole idea of unaccountable for-profit charter schools. And we know that's kind of code that the left wing of the Democrats and maybe all Democrats have been using to talk about about school choice. They, they're trying to demonize it in, in some way, but there are a lot of charter schools that have been successful. A lot of these, especially homegrown charter schools run by local community people, and some of them have been very successful. And so I don't know when he just says unaccountable for-profit charter schools, if he's talking about, like you said, all, or just the ones who are as defined right there. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. But, you know, like you said, this is a, a an election of stark differences, and these two couldn't be more different on the issue of school choice. Definitely. They also seem to be pretty different in the area of how to pay for education, because as we mentioned earlier, Gillum is talking about paying for education through increased taxes, whereas 
DeSantis never really talks about finding more money for schools. He talks about freeing up money from what he calls the sort of waste and fraud and abuse end of the of the budget cycle. Did you get a chance to look at what he's talking about there? Yeah, so he signed a pledge not to raise taxes, um, and he's very opposed to Gillum's plan um, on raising the corporate income tax rate. So he, as you said, really is just focused on changing the way the money is spent now. Um, as I mentioned, he wants to spend 80% of all K-12 money in the classroom, which uh, based on uh, just a couple conversations I was able to have with a few superintendents yesterday, that idea is, again... Um, just really dependent on how in the classroom is defined. Um, of course, that would probably include teacher pay and school supplies and things like that. But you always wonder about people like guidance counselors or people or uh, lunch cafeteria staff and busing and things like that that are pretty essential to school operations, but might not be considered in the classroom. So really looking forward to getting more details on that. But um, so that's really his focus is just changing the way that it is that the funding is currently used. He said that too much money is being spent on administrative costs. Um, and he also talks about the booming economy and how as you know, Florida's low tax atmosphere continues, it will continue to attract more businesses and more people to Florida. And that will theoretically continue to raise the amount of income the state gets uh, to fund education. So definitely very different on that stance. Did he weigh in at all on the question of the required local effort tax rate? I did not see or hear anything, but maybe you did, because that seems to be a big issue. As you said, if the economy grows, school districts have the ability, if they just leave their tax rates flat, to reap the benefits of rising property values. The Senate has taken that stance. The House hasn't in the past. Maybe a new governor would have a different position, although Governor Scott sided with the Senate. You know, we didn't get into something so specific yesterday, but it's definitely a good idea to keep in mind going forward, especially because we heard Senator Bradley asking a lot of questions about that during the um, Legislative Budget Committee. And so we know it's going to be on the minds of the legislature going forward. So it's definitely a good question for me to write down in my notebook. Well, that's a good one, because I know that I talked to some school board members as well, and they are all pretty hot on that. They're starting to draft their resolutions urging the legislature to please go back to the time when they were able to at least gain something even without raising their tax rates. They mm -hmm. said they that's not a tax increase, and anybody who says it is is just trying to spin you on the whole tax issue in this heavily political time. So we'll have to watch that one. Definitely. Very interesting. I, I do want to get back to that 80% funding in the classroom, directly to the classroom is what he said for DeSantis, because that is an issue that came up as a 65% number back 12 years ago. And it really never gained a lot of traction. It was in the Jeb Bush era that they talked about it. They It was adopted in some states. They never found it to be very successful. And I wonder why it even came back. Did DeSantis say where this was coming from? He said that he had done, he, he and his campaign had done an analysis that showed that approximately, according to their definition of in the classroom, 70% of all school funding is being spent in the classroom and he would like to raise that to 80. So clearly he must have a slightly different definition than the proposal in 2006 because they were just trying to get it up to 65. Um, but I did speak to a couple of the original sponsors of that 2006 proposal yesterday, one from the Senate and one 
from the house. And uh, they were both excited to see it coming back into the conversation again. They're both Republicans. They both uh, applauded DeSantis for talking about this again. But they both, again, uh, said that the majority of the conversation back in 06 had nothing to do with the actual number and had everything to do with the definition of what in the classroom truly means and that it needed to be as clear as possible so that districts could truly understand how it would affect them and how to enforce it. And that's where things really started to break down. It was unsuccessful. Um, but the the number itself is fairly arbitrary. It, what really matters is what counts. Well, yeah, that's true. I, I just also wonder if they're saying that what happens only in the classroom is what really matters only because I wonder, for instance, if they would count teacher professional development as being in the classroom. It's further training of teachers to do better job, but it's completely outside the classroom with students. And so that is something that I wonder if it would be included. I could go through a long list. School nurses, you've already mentioned cafeteria workers. And what about transportation and busing? Mm-hmm. For that matter, what about the uh, school safety measures that the legislature put in place last year? I don't know if hardening the entrance to a school building would count as in the classroom's expenditures. Definitely. And, and then you have the whole issue of, you mentioned, he said, reducing administrative costs or district level costs. But when you look at some of these budgets, they're already the district level costs are somewhere in the 2% to 4% range for a lot of districts. And so I just wonder how much more they can squeeze out of this one. I will be super interested to hear what the definition of directly to the classroom means. Mm -hmm. So keep on him on that one. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Will do. Were there other items that we haven't covered yet? Because I know that those were the highlights, but maybe there were some other small bore items that, that maybe made one or the other stand out. Well, one of the the things kind of buried in the middle of DeSantis's proposal that really stuck out to me was the fact that he wants to do a statewide review of all educational materials, including textbooks, um, to ensure that there's no measurable political bias. And he specifically cited um, looking for anti-Israel bias in textbooks. And so Kirby Wilson, one of the Tampa Bay Times reporters, who's a colleague of mine on the politics team, uh, he attended DeSantis's event in Tampa yesterday outside um, of a middle school, I believe, and asked him about that um, because I'm up here in Tallahassee and couldn't do it myself. And uh, DeSantis replied that while he was in Congress, he had heard from some constituents who had sent him um, pieces of their students' textbooks that they felt were anti-Israel. And he didn't really expand on that any further than that. But we were asking him, you know, do you have proof that there, that this exists and that this is necessary? And of course, we know from DeSantis's background that he's a very pro-Israel guy. It's been a huge, uh, issue for him while he was in Congress. He was one of the main congressional champions of moving the embassy, uh, in Israel to Jerusalem, for example. And a lot of his major donors in his race for the governor are big pro-Israel, uh, like mega donors, as we call them, like Sheldon Adelson, um, in Las Vegas. And so that's, that really stuck out just because it was kind of unusual. It was not something any of us were expecting to see in an education platform. And I believe you asked, uh, Kurt Browning, the superintendent of Pasco County about that. And he kind of felt it was ridiculous. Is that right? Yeah, I did. I, I, I totally forgot about that until you mentioned it. But we were talking about that and it came in with the whole idea of DeSantis also looking at the Common Core and which has been very politicized as far as the way schools do things. And 
And Browning's comment was, you know, we have to have standards and, you know, we also need to have materials. And his quote was to me to go through and to start scrubbing materials based on what what one party likes and dislikes is shaky. What's going to be next? So, I mean, it's clearly a question of, you know, how much is this politics and sound bites and how much of this is really what's beneficial for students in schools? Definitely. Which seems to be what the entire election is about. Lots of politics this year. And you've covered DeSantis on more than this particular issue. Would you say that he's really, that, well, how do you assess this race? I mean, is this just indicative of the whole thing? Well, I think that this this race in general um, has been so, especially after the primary, but even before that, it's it's been completely um co-opted by national politics in a lot of ways. Um, we saw Bernie Sanders stumping for Gillum and we saw Trump stumping for DeSantis. And that's pretty unusual to have a sitting president coming down and stumping for somebody before they've even won the primary. And now that the, that the primary has passed, we're seeing, you know, New York Times reporters, Washington Post reporters, Huffington Post, NPR, even John Oliver is talking about the upcoming election in Florida. So I think a lot of that kind of, intensity um, of this race and everything is under the microscope because Florida is always seen as being the predictor of the rest of the, uh, the rest of the United States politically. Um, so I think part of that really contributes to this race being so political and um, the fact that it's taken us so long to talk about these issues in a more specific way, especially from the DeSantis campaign. Um, I mean, we're very glad that they're releasing policy platforms now so that we have a better sense of what questions to ask him about specific specific things that will really affect Floridians if he is elected, because whether or not he supports Trump's immigration plan is not something that's going to be part of his job description day to day if he's elected. And so I think that's really our job as reporters in Florida, as local reporters, to really nail down these candidates on what they think um, on these particular issues, because that's what really matters in this election. And that's what really is at stake. And some of this political stuff is just, you know, kind of there to rile up voters and get them to maybe show up at the polls, but it's not at the end of the day what is going to be impacting people. Now we just have to hope for no hanging chads and then we'll all be in good shape. (laughs) That's right. So Emily, thanks again for sitting down and talking with me about these really important issues and we're going to do it again. So hang tight. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. That's the end of our podcast. If you'd like to be part of this conversation, please join us on our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. To continue following the latest in Florida education news, go to our blog, www.tampabay.com slash blogs slash gradebook. And please keep sharing this podcast with others. Our audience is slowly but surely growing thanks to you. We really appreciate it. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks for listening. 